Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. What I would tell my younger self was like, think about what you want and what your desire and focus on your own desire. And that should be, there should be like an infinite range of how you can express your own desire, but don't be doing things in order to fulfill other people's expectations or what other people want to see you as. So today's guest is Natalie Portman. Oh, is that all? How do you feel, (laughs) Jamie? How do you feel about it? I am and was very excited. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, I know. I know we've gotten big names on this podcast. Yeah, but... I I still found myself listening to it being like, what? Yeah. I mean, I I must admit, when we were recording it, because we recorded it in a very strange location, so when you hear the interview, it's going to sound a little... Out of the ordinary, Maybe it's not a little quite echoey. As, yeah, yeah, a little echoey. Uh, it was in a. Should we explain what, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what the setup was? This big old room. It was a huge like ballroom, almost mm-hmm. like like a dinner, but like a dining room. dining room yeah. kind of a place. Very ornate. Yeah, with tables and plates and knives and forks yeah. and things like that. Um, and Just how it goes. Yeah, it was one of those surreal moments where halfway through I was like, oh, hang on a minute, we're interviewing Natalie <laughs> Portman right now. Yeah, <laughs> and we've interviewed people who've gone on to win Oscars. Yeah. House Jenny and Gary Oldman. Yeah. Um, but we've never interviewed someone who already has one. Yeah. And is up for more because she's doing, she's very prolific. And this year alone, she has both Annihilation and Vox Lux. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to talk about both, which was great. And I think we kind of touched on most of her other other big ones too. Yeah. Because yeah. her life journey really is her, you know, her career is interesting because it started very, very early. Um, and I really enjoyed what some of the things she said about being a, a kid actor. Yeah. Um, and how there's almost a um, purity of knowing what you want at that yeah. age, and that mm. has guided her. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that, whatever the subject, whatever whether it's music or acting oh, or sure. dance or whatever. And keeping your head on straight, which mm-hmm. we talked a fair amount about too. And it's ironic because she plays, in this movie Vox Lux, she plays Celeste, who is a pop star who came from this really traumatic background, or had this traumatic thing happen in her childhood, and then becomes a an international star because of that. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of talked about, like, the pressures of a uh, young person navigating fame, but also specifically a young woman yeah. uh, navigating fame, which Natalie's talked about a lot. But I, I get overwhelmed when I think about Natalie Portman in, the, in these many movies that I've loved and loved and loved. We could go on and on about those. But also she, like, has been published in scientific journals, like, from a young age. Yeah. She went to Harvard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. Worth mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can tell when you're speaking to someone <laughs> <Yeah>. intellectual. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, she's 
she's very measured but very articulate and you know like yeah and, and I thought I would be intimidated frankly yeah but she opened by joking that she was going to get drunk <laughs> drinking at this at this giant ornate room we were just talking Jackie about Jackie S kind hears. of <laughs> performance yeah. yeah yeah so we we're going to start this interview right when it right when it started off with her walking into the room so I, I do want let's get to it That's yeah awesome. let's do it Natalie Portman what Hey, if you are an actor or an aspiring actor, someone at the beginning of your artistic career, and you haven't signed up for Backstage yet and you don't know how it works, I have good news for you. Backstage is offering 30 whole days completely free just for our In the Envelope listeners. If you visit backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope, you will have full access to the site where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start applying to the thousands of casting notices uploaded every single day on the world's number one casting platform. Again, we are giving listeners of this podcast 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. Go to checkout, that's backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. If you want to be in contention for an Emmy or for an Oscar or for a Tony or for a SAG award, do as many of the guests on this podcast have suggested and use Backstage. We are here for you. Again, free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe. Enter the code ENVELOPE. This award-winning actor, producer, director, and activist needs no introduction, but we'll try to give her one anyway. You may know her from such starring roles as Leon the Professional, Star Wars, Garden State, Closer, V for Vendetta, her Oscar-winning Black Swan, A Tale of Love and Darkness, and Jackie, or for her advocacy work with the Time's Up movement and more. This year, she led the Paramount Pictures sci-fi thriller Annihilation and played a damaged pop star in Neon's Vox Lux. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to welcome Natalie Portman to the podcast. You can stare at her if you want. Stare at me. Am I sitting on the right side? Yes, Correct. perfect. Oh, wow. So I wonder how you did a party? Just me. <laughs> I have to say, my very first thought when I walked into this room is it reminds me of like the White House scene in Jackie with the wine. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm going to get drunk and change dresses a lot. Have you reenacted like draining of the cup thing? Totally. Easily. Um, how are you? Is this a... Um, How's your day? I'm I'm very tired. Uh, I wasn't able to sleep last night. Me neither. Oh, no way. It was it like a full moon or something? Um, I don't know. Are, you, Actually, look are you local here in New yes. York? Okay. Because I thought it was just like a jet lag thing and then have, worrying about being up on time because I... Um, so I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Great. So we'll both be loopy. Yeah. I'm putting this here just in case we're... But we're all set, right? Yeah. We're great. all ready to go. And... Um, I guess I would love to hear like how you got involved in this because this is a particularly interesting chapter in the filmography of Natalie Portman, in my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, I'm assuming interesting in a positive oh, way. Oh, yes. Um, Let the well, record show. I got the script and, um, and had a conversation with Brady before I read it even, and mm. it was just so interesting the way he framed it for me um, because he was telling me that his first film... Um, kind of bridged the two big violent conflicts in Europe in the mm -hmm. last century, World War One and World War II, and then he wanted to make 
something set in this mm-hmm. century so far? And mm-hmm. um, what were the big violent conflicts in the U.S.? And he said, you know, there's the kind of civil war, which is our mass shootings, mm-hmm. and our um, foreign wars, which is terrorism. And this character kind of bridges these two um, these these two large conflicts um, through her the story of her life. Yeah. And it is almost a sequel to his first work in that way. Yeah, even though they're, of course, very, very different films sure. in almost every other way. Yeah, but I like that, that you said as of now, like that it's. Well, we're only twenty we years know. into the century, so not right. even. So, right. um, yeah, it's it's impossible to predict what what the next eighty will bring. <laughs> right, right. Um, and was there something too about the was the hook also the pop music element and how he was going to bridge that gap with muses of a pop star kind of thing. Yes. Well, this like intersection between pop culture, um, Mm -hmm. seen through the lens of pop music, Mm -hmm. um, and violence, um, was really interesting too, just as sort of a reflection of the world we're living in right now Mm -hmm. where pop culture and, um, acts of violence and politics, it's all mixed together. Mm -hmm. It's all put on the same level in this kind of constant news media like, consumption, yeah. soundbite land. Totally. Just noise all noise, the time. Noise, <laughs> right. And so it's weird because it gives things a lot more attention than mm. they deserve sometime mm. in pop culture um, mm. and even in politics and then also dilutes the meaning of things that should be seen not as merely um, a soundbite to be bought and sold, but as mm. something kind of deeper, like uh, uh, like acts of violence, yeah. and gives attention and spectacle to horrific mm. acts right. um, in a way that also perpetuates them. Right. And there's such a focus in the movie, too, on, like, the indiv- these are individual people. It's got such a great thing of micro and macro. Of like, right. these are real people. I really got the sense of who Celeste is and what she wants, but at the same time, it is a movie about history or about trends or about, like, connecting all those various bizarrely various dots right yeah <laughs> it seems it seems kind of far off and then when you know he put it together in that way it it seems mm-hmm. so clear and mm-hmm. so a reflection of what we're living in right now and yes it does i mean i think she's such a specific character that he wrote that mm-hmm. you really do um follow her specific life but then if you see her as sort of a, a metaphor also for sure. like our country then yeah it takes on a whole different kind of resonance. I love that. And and she's is it safe to say you had fun playing her? <laughs> it was it was it was definitely fun, although, you know, quite dark, of sure. course. Oh, but mm-hmm. um but yeah, she's she's just a, a character that's constantly shifting. She's mm. she's going from um being extremely performative to having these kind of glimpses of authenticity Mm. from being cruel to having kind of also again like moments of 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 kindness Mm. or vulnerability to extreme armor to Mm. you know this it's just she's constantly shifting and she's different with everyone in every different um situation sure and when you say dark like you mean psychologically like get in terms of getting into the head of this person yeah and the things she experiences i mean of course Mm -hmm. you know there's there's some very violent things she she undergoes um so yeah it's it's it was like a very um 
very extreme character that was fun to get to to play and kind of have that level of wildness, but also, mm. um, you know, of course there was heavy, there were heavier considerations too to, sure. to think about emotionally. Yeah. Did you also kind of jump at the tan- chance to like be a pop star and to have like a? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they, I, I also attached to the script had like MP3s of Sia songs oh, cool. that you know was the most incredible thing to hear her singing these demos that no one else got to hear yeah. these incredible, incredible pop songs, which. Um, you know, when you read a script and it says like, and then she writes a song which becomes a nationwide right. hit and mm. takes the country by storm. Right. You know, it takes a lot to make that credible, and mm. Um, mm. it's really, um, it's really amazing when you when you get that opportunity. Yeah, and and to just do like a giant concert, like a full on concert at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, which was um, daunting, but so yeah. fun also, um, and and such a great op opportunity to like live out a childhood dream. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of which, like, I, I imagine it's also, maybe this is true of every role, I don't know, but did you see parts of your life mirrored in Celeste in terms of this idea of being, starting out as a kid and then getting involved in the industry? Yeah, I think I definitely had a very different experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily, you know, she's born out of this very traumatic event. And so I think it colors her entire um, career and trajectory that there is this sort of deal that like she's profiting off of her own pain Mm. in some way. So it's always complicated, like everything good that has come out of it, all the success always is a reminder also of Mm. of what happened to her and, and where she started and, and um, that sort of deal she made to sell her pain um, and sell and sell herself, mm-hmm. um, where you know I don't I don't relate to that piece of it. Um, but there are aspects, of course. I have an insight into the public versus the private, yeah. and what what you want other people to think of of your of you okay. and how you're crafting your image and how other people are trying to come in and get involved in totally. making your image and hmm. um and also what what people do to young girls in the yep. public eye and and you know um you know Brady really was conscious of this sort of he didn't want to be exploitative of Rafi in any way the young hmm. actress who plays young Celeste but um but also kind of reflect the way that our society um our culture puts these young girls into very sexual, yeah. you know, kind of like Always. BDSM yeah. like looks. Control, yeah. Um and and sells this combination of innocence and um sexuality, which is would be fine if it was really originating within the girl, yeah. but it's 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 something that's really like put on them as this um sure. you know, very, very specific image. Um and so yeah, so there were there were things that were were reminiscent, even though mm-hmm. I've luckily had a very different experience. Right. Like you didn't um, make a deal with the devil to have this career. No, and I, <laughs> I many many things, and um, yeah, I, I I don't you know behave like Celeste. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> right. No. 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 You're not quite as uh, big. Yeah. As, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little subtler. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Mm. Um, 
Well, because we're backstage and we are the actress trade publication, we always love hearing about the anything related to the business and the craft of acting and any like career advice you have. And I love hearing about this idea of a public perception, especially mm-hmm. as a young girl. It's it's tough to maintain your own innocence while having the innocence, but as you say, also the opposite well, I of innocence. Think that, I think that um, the the messaging towards me as a young woman, I, I hmm. knew both in what I saw and what I was told I should be yeah. was to think about how I should appear for other people. Like what would make hmm. me um, attractive and pleasing to yeah. other people um, as opposed to what did I want. And that was hmm. the big shift for me sure. and maybe maybe for everyone. But, um, you know, I think that was the hmm. biggest thing and what I would tell my younger self was like, think about what you want and what your desire and focus on your own desire. And that should be, there should be like an infinite range of how you can express your own desire, but don't be doing things in order to, um, in order to fulfill other people's expectations or, um, what other people want to see you as. Yeah, which is largely because of the world we live in, what other men want to see you as. Right, um, right. But everyone men, everyone participates. It's yes. like a, a cultural yeah. um, cultural thing that I think yeah. um, we all are complicit in to different degrees. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I love that you said what advice you would give your younger self because it's literally on my list of questions. <laughs> but like, we always love hearing yeah. that. Like, what... First of all, when did you know? Was it always acting? Did you always know you wanted to do that? I really like performing. Um, mm-hmm. I was like when I think from I was taking a lot of like dance classes mm-hmm. and singing classes and doing a lot of like school plays and camp plays and mm-hmm. um, from as far as far back as I can remember. Um, and I always loved it and just asked for more and more and more. And then um, when I was um, around nine, 10, there were a lot of kids. I lived on Long Island and a lot Mm -hmm. of kids, um, were like going out on auditions. Uh, It was like a right, relatively common thing, particularly in the world of like kids who, um, went to dance school and stuff like the kids I was around were auditioning for things in the city for, for Broadway, for TV, for commercials, for movies. Um, and so I really begged my parents to get to do that too. Okay. Um, yeah. And you were in an off-Broadway mm-hmm. musical as an understudy. Yes. Musical, right? Yes. Yeah. And then Good knowledge. That was... <laughs> Called which, Ruthless. Like, what do you remember? Yeah, what do you remember about that? I was so excited. Uh-huh. Um, I had seen... I had seen it um, and loved it. Um, there was oh. um, the the girl who originated the lead role um, and who did it through, through the whole run was Laura Bundy, uh-huh. who's... Now um, Laura Bell Bundy, she's like yeah. quite successful yeah. um, actress, and she—I was just starstruck by her. Cool. She was just like a force; like she could do everything, and I was—I um, was just so um, in awe of her as an audience member. Cool. And then got to be like an understudy in like the third or fourth cast or something. <laughs> I <see>. like, okay. <laughs> um, and it was just like a dream come true for me. I was so excited. And you went on. 
I went on, so it was an understudy for two roles because there was like oh. a secondary role also, and I went on as the secondary gotcha. role. Okay, yeah. cool. And is it true that Britney Spears was also one of the understudies? <laughs> yes, so she was the understudy before me. Okay. So we never overlapped. Worked, we never overlapped. Oh, okay. And I think I got the job when she left to go be on Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, how crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and soon after that was Leon the Professional. Yes, so... Um, uh, yeah, when I was a ele- so I was ten when I did Ruthless, and then the next thing, next like kind of big thing I got was yeah. the professional. So young, when I was eleven. Yeah, yeah, like the thing of asking yourself what you really want and, and differentiating that from what other people want is like yeah. it's hard to do at age eleven. It is hard, but also there's there's also kind of a purity in what you want because mm. I think that there's you know, when you're really obsessed with something when you're that age, there's just like a pure love for what you're doing. And, um, I talk about my husband and I talk about it a lot because he was that into dance at that age. Mm -hmm. That was the age that I realized I was obsessed with acting and wanting to do it and wanting to focus on it. And it was all I thought about was about the same age that he wanted to just dance all the time. And, um, and, and I think it's Walter Murch who said, like, if you're an adult and wondering where your passion lies, think about what you loved when you were 11 years old. Mm. I think it was him who um, that identified that age as specific. So I think it's very lucky cool. to have that kind of passion that early because mm-hmm. there are certain things that it takes a lot of practice to, yeah. you know, you need years and years and years of trying stuff and messing up and working mm. harder and mm-hmm. um, to to get to a point where you can feel more at ease with your, with what you do. Yeah. I've never thought of it in terms of like, it's a purity of, of ambition. Like I was going to ask you like, why were you so ambitious at a young age? But it's, it's obsession. It was, yeah. It was just, I loved it so much yeah. that it was like all I wanted to do. And um, at the expense of like anything else in my life, you know, (laughs) which I think is is the common thing I hear from anyone who starts at something Mm. very young is that, you know, you have to be that into it that it's kind of like, you're not upset about missing play dates or something or soccer practice or, you know, um, in order to, (sighs) to, to pursue your your passion. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting you say that because you've also, you've, I think, I think of you as well known for, um, for going to college for like saying that I'm going to continue to be a movie star, but not at the expense of my education. Yeah. Like that was clearly, well, that was definitely like a parental influence kind of thing. Like if I say like what, um, what was the, you know, parental, um, which I really am grateful for because Mm -hmm. I think it gave me more than anything, um, like a really incredible group of friends who are completely separate from Mm. my work that Mm -hmm. has made me feel very like safe from the ups and downs of my work life because like no matter whether you're doing well or not, like they're, they don't care. (laughs) You know, it's not like it doesn't, it felt like I could stop at any point and like, you know, lose any kind of, you know, I could, I could fail in my work and like no one was going to, shunned me because of it. Um, uh-huh. um, and, and that was like a very safe place to be, sure. um, you know, to have kind of really true friends. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like a, a mix of, um, your parents encouraging you to do what you want and follow your passions, but also provide some structure and some yeah. restrictions. Or, right. Exactly. Which yeah. I thought was a very lucky way for them to have handled it. Cause yeah. 
you know, airing to either side, like to not allow yeah. me to do what I wanted to do or mm -hmm. to allow me to pursue it like 100% of my time. Either mm -hmm. one of those would have been too extreme. And sure. That gave me kind of a balanced, yes. balanced road. And a modeling for, for parenting yourself. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> if your kids want to <laughs> do anything. Be a movie star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah extreme. <laughs> well, so I'm going back to this idea of like, I'd like to hear about type and, and about this idea of um, reconciling who you are and what you want with what other, what the industry essentially, what the machine of Hollywood is putting on you or typecasting you as, or the career paths are often hard to choose. Yes. And I know you've. Um, expressed dissatisfaction with the labels that people have put on you sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, I, I agree with you that it is very, it's, it's very hard like when people talk about career path, it doesn't feel that mm. conscious because mm. it, like you said, like you don't usually get to choose your options mm. and, um, and like it's very rare that you even have options um, yeah. and you're often just kind of doing what is the best thing that comes your way mm -hmm. and logistics end up being like sure. so heavily involved, yeah. you know, when you're like, Oh, I'm in school and right. I can only work in the summer. What, what job mm -hmm. is, can I get that will work in the summer? Yeah. Or like, you know, like my husband has a job and so I can't work during this time, but I can uh, work during this time. Gotcha. <laughs> like, sure. you know, uh, there's so many things that end up being like, hmm. um, you know, things that you can make work um, and that are also creatively interesting right. or you find ways to find things that are yeah. creatively interesting. Um, like in addition I mean, actually, Meryl, <laughs> Meryl told me about him. Yes. Like she was like, you know, in the 90s, I took jobs that were shooting like near New York. Like oh, okay. that were all my choices for a decade were like related to, um, you know, yeah. where I could be close to my children. Yeah. And, um, it was good to know that even but she of the like utmost uh, artistic principles, <laughs> um, made and like, you'd think endless opportunity right. was making, um, you know, choices based on what, what was practical for, for family life. Sure. Yeah, because I feel like so often the question is like, well, yeah, what did, what about this spoke to you? Or like, when you look at a script, what do you think of? But often you're like, I have stuff to do. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a funny combination. Like there there have been times in my life where I've had options and mm -hmm. I've had the you know freedom to work whenever and wherever, and sure. and there were definite choices. Um, but it's actually been interesting. I feel like when it's been more limited, I've actually. Oh. been more creatively inspired because you have to mm. figure out how to make things yeah. interesting and work and I don't know you oh I love you that. put yourself in to it a little more yeah. in a different way yeah I've heard that that that's true for um it's when you're pressed for time that or, or resources that you're like right at your most um efficient and yeah and maybe and, and maybe able to follow your gut yeah a, a little better yeah it's true um, cause often these movie shoots, I'm always astonished to learn that like a movie shoot will be like a week or two. Right. This film, I, I worked 10 days oh on Vox. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you were, but you rehearsed a bunch and prepped a bunch. I rehearsed and prepped, but yeah. that was at home too. So, um, gosh. logistically was, was very, crazy. um, yeah, it was very, um, conducive to, to 
life. Yes. Is there ever the thing of like, I only have 10 days. Like, is there just a pressure to get it right? (laughs) Well, there's a pressure to dive in, you know? Mm. Um, I think usually when I go work on something, it takes me 10 days sometimes to even feel like warmed up or like comfortable Mm -hmm. in my environment to kind of try wilder things. But Mm. this, I knew I had to dive in right away. I, I mean, the first day was the whole drug breakdown scene. Okay. Um, and mm. it was lucky that I was with Jude because we'd worked together. It was our fourth time a making a film together. And yeah. um, so I went in knowing that I was in safe, generous cool. hands with a very talented actor yeah. who was also super respectful and kind. So I felt like I could try extreme things without okay. feeling like self-conscious. Yeah. Cause I'm working with a first time director too. It's nice to have someone else you've worked with in the room. Yeah. And Brady is also so generous and understanding and like puts you at ease, which mm. it's kind of what you, you need is that kind of unconditional love oh. that, you know, it, yeah. it's like, you know, that they'll, you know, that they'll, um, take care of you. Like that yeah. if it's going the wrong way that they'll, they'll sure. guide you. But that they're not going to judge you. Like they're not going to be like, Oh my God, that's embarrassing. Cause yeah. How embarrassing for you. You have yeah. to put all the self-consciousness aside. You have to. Yeah. You, you need, you need trust, but yeah, it has to be an environment that has no judgment. Yes. And like try whatever you want. Exactly. And in this movie in particular, it just felt like every impulse was from your being from your gut. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was extreme. Like we did really extreme things, um, mm. and tried really extreme things and Brady, um, kind of created an environment where we could try different things every take because we were doing continuous takes, um, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful because then you don't have to, um, you don't have to match from take to take because it's all in one. And when you spontaneously throw things to each other, you can spontaneously react because everything's captured. So you're not like, oh, we're going to have to repeat this on the other side to get the reaction. Um, So, and as an actor, you can really, feel the shape of the scene as opposed to doing like little fragments that the director will then put together. Mm, Right. So, um, that was really fun because we just got to do, you know, 10 different takes and so rare on a film that's so fast to shoot, to get to try so many different things. I see. Okay. And is it true too, that because he's an actor, like, have you found that working with directors who've acted, there's an extra element of communication or... Well, I think that he understands like the kind of freedom that is fun for an actor Mm. and the kind of feedback that's helpful and when it's helpful to just kind of like Mm. create the right environment Mm. and let things roll. Um, It was, I I felt very safe because I felt him stepping in when it was necessary and I Uh felt him stepping back when he was Uh happy with the way things were going, which is nice. It's not someone just saying things for the sake of saying things sure. or yeah. someone who's like afraid to say things and is just like watching like a spectator, you know, it was, yeah. he oh, was, he yeah. was very, very involved. Um, how would you describe your own like directing style if you have one? Um, I think it's, it's, I mean, I, I try to be specific to the actor cause I think okay. people really need different things. Mm. And, um, you kind of have to try things until you see what what the person responds to. Okay. Um, so, you know, some people respond to just a lot of different, um, a lot of takes so that they can try different things. Some sure. people 
um, need a lot of specific directions. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, some people need like um, you to ask questions of them that they have to answer. Some people need like mm -hmm. very specific um, like keywords that will clue mm -hmm. them in. Um, cool. I don't know. There's, I think it's just kind of being attentive to what yeah. helps the particular person. Yeah. I've never heard of it as like when to step forward and when to step back. Yeah. It's a huge part of directing. Yeah. Absolutely. Or I guess managing anything. Yeah. Um, I have to talk about Jackie. I mean, we have to talk about Jackie because yes. of the set. <laughs> We're going to act it out. Yeah, well, and I guess Black Swan, because the thing about, I was reading an article about you the other day that, that did separate your career almost into before and after Black Swan, going off the lines of, of kind of what you were saying about, like, you're an innocent young girl, the industry is maybe sexualizing you or maybe putting you in this box. Right. And everything since then has been, I mean, I don't know if it's been about to challenge people's preconceptions of you or not. But it's almost like you were the white song before and then the black song after. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily. I definitely don't like consciously see it that way. Right. But again, like you said, the like, career path is not. Yeah, it's not necessarily. Um, yeah, controlled and in, no. in, in a in a you know conscious manner. But yeah. um, but sure, that's an interesting yeah. um, interpretation. You can only look back on the, the career path. You can't like yeah right. plan it. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I mean, do you, do you, how much do you think about challenging yourself? I think of you as, as someone, yeah, who must get on set and be like, these are the, these are the ways I want to challenge myself specifically. Yeah. I think that, um, it's always appealing to me if there's something like new I can mm -hmm. learn that I'm interested in learning, um, out of, out of, um, a role. Um, it's a plus cause I think, you know, I like doing a lot of, um, I like doing the prep. Like, I feel like that's, mm -hmm. first of all, of course, it gets you on set and then you can just kind of reside in mm -hmm. the character. But also, um, I feel like that's where you get the ex part of the experience. It's like how you can kind of make it more meaningful for yourself. And mm. it's a pleasure to do when you're interested in what you're prepping about. So, right. you know, to like watch a bunch of documentaries about pop stars, but it's not, uh -huh. a, not, not a chore. And exactly. like, you know, my last film, I played an astronaut and like watching all this stuff and reading mm. all this stuff about astronauts and space exploration was fascinating. Yeah. It was like really, really incredible. Um, so, you know, if, if, if it entails, if the research that the character entails is something that is appealing and something mm -hmm. that you feel like you can easily get obsessed with and try and, yeah. um, you know, know everything about, then that that is an appealing role when you're in a moment when you actually have choices. Because many moments, I feel like it's not, <laughs> it's not like I mean, choices. It's it's what what you can get. Yeah, mm. I would say most listeners of this podcast are in the more of a working actor auditioning phase of their careers, probably. Yeah, well, I think also it, even once you start working, it's, oh, yeah. it's you go through waves yeah. all the time. and um, You've had dry spells. Oh, many. Yeah. And, and also like logistical dry spells, like I'm mm -hmm. talking about where like life prevents you from yeah. um, sometimes doing everything that you would yeah. want to do. And, and you're kind of like, okay, what what is my best option? And it's not always like, oh, this is my dream role, but sometimes it can turn into it like Ooh. unexpectedly, yeah, which cool. is 
very cool. Yeah, like you were pregnant during the Oscar season of Jackie. Like that was just like right. <laughs> that's happened that's to what life happened at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. to be, which is great. Right, delightful. Right, totally. Um, how often do you audition? These um, days, not very often, okay. but every once in a while there will be like a director that I'm interested in working with, and they're like, oh, they're only yeah considering people who will read for this or uh-huh. you know. Uh, jump through some hoop. Okay. I never get it when it's an audition. Oh, oh really? <laughs> I never get the part. Oh, see, that's I'm very good, good to at hear, That's yeah. good to hear. Like, yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you have any tips in, of the trade for, for specifically auditioning? Because it is kind of a different skill set. It is really different. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. That's amazing. Admit, to hear that you're I, 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 I yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I usually get the parts that just come to me after someone's seen something that I've done <laughs> right well that, that's been true for throughout your career like um this is maybe random but did Mike Nichols audition you or did you meet him no that was really lucky Mike um came to see me when I was doing Diary Van Frank amazing on Broadway and then asked me to do the seagull after that which mm-hmm. was amazing and then um Gosh. and then after we worked together asked me to do closer so yeah. that was really super super lucky yeah um but yeah I don't there's very few roles that I've gotten because of auditions. <laughs> I'm not good at auditioning. Um, That's really it's really good hard. To when I was when I was younger, obviously I I, I, mm. I did, but um, I was mm. better at it. <laughs> yeah, maybe because of that lost purity. confidence. Yeah, lost oh. confidence, lost passion. <laughs> That's so interesting to hear. Yeah, because we always love hearing the that kind of advice. Um, annihilation. Mm-hmm. What was the challenge in that? What did you take on with that? Well, that was so interesting to me um, because of this, like, this concept that the alien is inside us and that, like, Mm. what we're facing is, like, our own mutated behavior is alien. Like, sometimes we start behaving in ways that we don't understand. Hmm. They're not necessarily how we want to behave, and we're doing it anyway. And it's like confronting a whole alien landscape, and um, hmm. that was just fascinating for me to um, consider. Which was, you know, Alex Garland's incredible mm-hmm. um, reinterpretation of this great book mm-hmm. by Jeff Vandermeer, and um, so that was that was truly um, just amazing. Um, emotionally to to sort of think about yeah like to have that reading I feel like there's a million readings of that movie yeah well <laughs> that was there are which I also love yeah. um, but that was what that was I was <laughs> working sure. with yeah that's so cool to hear yeah. and it, I, I almost feel like this is a year and it's so funny that the two that these this is what happens two movies come out in the same year yes and they're two very different roles or two very different things yes but, and filmed at very different times too because Annihilation sure. took a very long time to come uh, out and um, and uh, Vox Lux took a very short time to come out so interesting because um, I was actually I was pregnant with my daughter during Annihilation oh um, oh okay and and then like very early pregnancy obviously because you don't see mm. um, and um, and she turned one while we were shooting Vox so like I can like I time see. it oh. from that that we filmed them 
right. two years apart. So it's not necessarily a year yeah. and a half apart. It's not like one role was immediately following the other or one not was in all. response to the other. Yeah. Not at all. But you but you learn from each role and you take it into the next. Yeah, I mean, not always consciously, like it sure. doesn't always feel like a progression or something, but I'm sure there's there's mm-hmm. definitely um and Annihilation I felt was like quite minimalist in terms mm. of like the style um of 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 everything and this is quite expressionistic um ah cool so it's yeah stylistically it was yeah different but i love seeing the similarities of like there there are two movies that um that are open to interpretation yes which i like yes i like that too and I like that you have a reading because, of course, as an actor, you come in with your own reading. You have to have yeah. an interpretation. You don't always have to share it with anyone. Um, sure. Um, because I think every interpretation is valid, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be like, "This is what I meant." <laughs> um, right. But you know, if people are interested, you know, it's, I think it's up to everyone whether they want to reveal or not. Yeah, and it's almost like the reveal thing too. It's not something you want to do before the process either. No, because that's part that's of for the you. joy is that the audience completes the art yeah. um, by continuing the conversation. You know, the, yes. the the artist sort of creates, you know, half of of the piece and the the, the audience meets it. So yes. um, when you have these these um, pieces that are really open and not mm-hmm. prescriptive, it's mm. especially thrilling to see what people come up with. Oh sure. Um, would you ever come to Broadway again? Would you ever do more theater? I would love to. Okay. I would love to. Um, again, it's like a when is going to be the right yeah. moment of life to yeah. do that. It's a legit, it's a, the practicalities are real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you too about Me Too. Yeah. And also, I mean, any causes, because I feel like this is where this podcast is not actually quite our area of expertise, but like you are the, you are leading the charge on so many different causes. And I'm wondering, Thanks. first of all, if you want to rattle off some resources or some nonprofits to donate to or some act- some Great. actionable things that people can what are you thinking about right now or what are you working on um well uh i've been lucky enough to be part of times up which mm-hmm. um was a sort of response to me too me too was started by tarana burke and mm-hmm. then um was popularized um even more by Alyssa milano and 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 created this as everyone knows this kind of um, Thank God surge, knows. Yeah, yeah, surge of very brave people coming forward about their experiences that really um, um, normalized the mm. talking about um, experiences mm-hmm. of, of sexual harass, harassment, abuse, um, rape, coercion, um, and um, and also allowing people to see who serial abusers were because when people were silent about it, then people who had patterns of abuse could continue to perpetrate. Um, So I cannot claim any (laughs) responsibility or involvement in that except for great admiration for, for, for the people who really built that movement. And Time's Up was our reaction of um, women in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. in the beginning to, um, how can we make changes that won't allow this culture of abuse to um, kind of simmer? Um, mm. And the first action was to create the Times Up Legal Defense Fund, which is something that um, anyone can donate to. You Great. know, you could give five dollars. You can give, and and it provides legal 
um, aid to women in well, women and men across mm-hmm. all industries um, who um, who but who need financial aid mm-hmm. um, for legal um, for legal help um, when they're battling uh, these instances of um, sexual harassment, mm-hmm. coercion, abuse, uh, rape at, in in work related situations, um, gotcha. or when they're even being um, having a hard time just talking about it because sometimes what happens mm. is that people will come forward and talk about their experiences and then the uh, perpetrator um, sues them for defamation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uses kind of legal bullying to shut them up. Right. And so it mm. also helps that kind of case. So, I mean, if, if people need that as a resource, um, yeah, um, then they can you know, apply for, for the legal defense fund. They've already helped thousands of, um, women and men, um, uh, across industries. Um, and also it's a, it's a great thing to, to give to. Um, and then there's other initiatives within our industry trying to create a sort of safety mechanism because Hmm. I think one of the bit and change laws, um, which is, is a big challenge because I think a lot of you know, people listening, what they might have experiences with is that a lot of the um, cases of abuse in our industry happen during job interviews, which happen right. all the time when people are auditioning. Yeah. And yes. in those cases, you're not an employee. Mm-hmm. So you actually cannot make a claim to mm-hmm. the company of the person because right. it doesn't fall under sexual harassment legislation. Totally. So, um, so changing policy is, is, is actually a big piece of it, um, yeah. for, for our industry, um, in particular, but yeah. Um, yeah, there's other sort of more detailed things in, in every state has different laws and yes. different, different policies, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah. So there's That's also excellent. like a know your rights on the times up website that helps you kind of navigate, um, Great. that aspect. Yeah. Cause even if you're, if you've, if you've never experienced that in auditions, it doesn't mean you're not going to at some point, like it's. Right. And also just knowing things that you can do to protect yourself. Like, you know, like there should always be more than one other person in the room when you're auditioning Mm -hmm. so that there's always, you know, and and it should be between nine to five in an office space, Uh not in a, I mean, I mean, it's, it's quite normal to have these kinds of meetings and auditions in hotels, but this is part of the culture that needs to, needs to change. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, any, anything else? I'm, my 16 year old sister is vegan. Oh, great. <laughs> I wonder if you can speak to, you know, why, why that's an important cause for you as well. Well, um, you know, I think that it has been for, a, for yeah, most of your life. Yeah. I've been vegetarian most of my life and I've been vegan for seven years now. And, um, it becomes more urgent, I think too, with the environmental, pressures that we're all facing and Hmm. um factory farming is such a a big big contributor to all of the the you know greenhouse gases and air water um soil pollution not to mention the spread of you know these flus and bird flu and swine flu is all originates in factory farms so um Hmm. i've always been very attached to the ethics of eating animals and the ethics of raising animals mm-hmm. in the kinds of conditions that they are raised in for 99% of yeah. the 
animal food products that we consume. But there's also a very human and environmental impact Mm -hmm. um, of that factory farming. So um, that's been really, um, really important to me. And there's... um, there are some great organizations. Farm Sanctuary is a wonderful one that mm-hmm. um, helps factory farmed animals. Um, there are some wonderful organizations out there that, um, and and also just changing your own habits, even if it's yeah. once once a day or once a week. Sure, it sure. makes a huge impact if everyone does it. So you don't have to like take on a new identity and say like. I'm never going to eat meat again, but if you mm-hmm. can do it once a day, mm-hmm. um, you know, at lunch or yeah. on Mondays, then, sure. you know, that makes a really big yeah. impact across the board. Yeah, educating yourself and also taking you know, small doable ap- actions like that. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's doable. Um, thank you. Thank you. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Parting words of wisdom? No, I mean, I think <laughs> everyone knows themselves best and just like, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on reading your own desires because yes. I think that's the that's the big thing that a lot of the movie is about too of, uh, that Vox Lux is about is um, you know how much of your persona are you trying and, and part yeah. of the world we live in now is to show other people some version of yourself yes. that you want them to see mm-hmm. as opposed to just yeah. you know being being in a way that, that brings you joy yeah Way to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you this so much. In the Envelope is recorded in New York City at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review. We want to hear from you. Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. Thanks, as always, to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at JamieMusicNYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter at JackSmartWrites. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting. Peter Rappaport, Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Lauren Rout, Caitlin Watkins, Rowan Al-Khatib, and especially, should-be Oscar nominee, Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. I'm going to get drunk and change dresses a lot. (laughs)